Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions and the CareerPod team. This episode should provide you with valuable career information and insights. Today we are speaking with Kay Freyone, software training specialist, consultant, and founder of Enable Consulting. Good afternoon, Kay, and welcome to CareerPod. We really appreciate your participation. Thank you, Gary. It's nice to speak with you. Okay, let's get started. Can you tell us a little bit about your early life and uh, your educational preparation for this field? Sure, I'd love to. I'm one of those rare breeds who became fluent in the technical world much later in life. I was probably already in my 40s when I decided that I needed to go back to school and learn more about the computer world. And I was smitten really loved being able to work in the various applications and found that everyone actually needed to know how to do the same thing. That's great. So uh, did you take any courses or any other educational programs, or did you just more or less jump in and, and learn it yourself? Well, it was certainly a little bit of each because anything in the technology world requires a lot of self-learning. However, I started out by going to school in the evening. Um, I had, of course, a a day job prior uh, prior to getting into this business. I did that. I started working with a company who also had an intense training program that I went through. And I have been in training in one form or the other with various universities and technical organizations since that point in time. Sure. You know, today it's education for life, as they say. Yes, it yep. is. <laughs> and, and in a world of technology, things are changing so quickly. So in terms of, your, you know, your basic business and your, your responsibilities, maybe you could just uh, tell us a little bit about how you start a relationship with a client, what you typically do, that type of, of a summary. Oh, thank you, Gary, for asking that. And I think it's important to understand that when you're in um, any business that there are always two aspects to that, and one is the actual administration of the business itself. And not not only does that require things like, you know, accounting, and it also requires marketing. And in order to, you know, kind of get the work, so to speak, um, you have to develop a a reputation. And so I would say that probably the best experience and the best foot forward for me was working with a company that acted more as a broker. So they did have a a team of of, uh, instructors available to use with any client. And so we all had to be very well versed in all the different software applications. But I think that that was probably uh, the best way to learn how to, first of all, set your reputation, right? right. And, and second, um, what it actually takes uh, to run a business like that. Sure. You had mentioned software applications. My understanding is you mostly deal in Microsoft, the major Microsoft products, but you also have done work in some custom work. You know, every client location and, and need is a little different. That's very true. In fact, um, I'm really proud to say that over the years, I've been able to branch out into uh, learning and teaching proprietary software. 
So oftentimes a company will call me in uh, because they are in the process of rolling out a new software application that they themselves may have highly customized. They may not have created it, but they've highly right. customized it. So it is my responsibility to learn the ins and outs of that software and then develop a training program that I then use to either train uh, all of the users who will be migrating or sometimes I will run a train-to-trainer program for them so that other people in their company can become the subject matter experts and therefore do the training. Sure. As your business grew, I guess um, you uh, really started to develop uh, Enable Consulting, which is is the name of your company. By the way, to help anybody listening to this, is there a way they could go to your website or a way to uh, contact you to have any questions? Absolutely. First of all, um, my website is enable-consulting.com. Okay. And there they will find uh, all information about all the uh, aspects of my training and consulting program. I And there will also be contact information provided for them to contact me directly and or uh, to uh, contact consultant or trainer at um, enable-consulting.com, and I will certainly get back to them. would love to help anyone who wants to enter this industry. You know, over the years I've been asked, well, is this a, is a good fit for anyone? And my answer is this is a great fit for anyone who has enough support in their personal life that they can travel as needed, and that they can work a decent amount of hours per day. It's not necessarily, you know, a nine-to-five job. You know, you are supporting your clients. You are preparing for the next day's lessons. And so after a hard day of training, you, in fact, might be preparing for the next day, training something completely different. Sure. If we could uh, make a distinction here, I think it could be helpful. Here we are in January, and we're in the middle of uh, COVID-19. I know your business was probably a little different uh, before COVID came in, where you you had and you know you were visiting different clients. And just to make it clear, you do the stand-up training yourself. Is that is that right? I do. Um, I do have a team of associates that I can ask uh, to help out with the training, especially when I'm doing uh, any sort of rollout, um, you know, project. But it's definitely different, Gary, than it was. Uh, For me, the best way to train is face-to-face. I really love being in the classroom where I can focus on not only, if you will, the screens of uh, my students, but on their faces. I can pay attention to their gestures so (laughs) that I can easily assess whether um, they're truly understanding the concepts that are presented. It is different, as you mentioned today, because COVID-19 has required us to do most of our training online. You know, just as as you said earlier, technology is constantly changing. Well, the way we're teaching is certainly uh, changing as well. A, a typical scenario to me would be a client calls you, and let's say, you know, you happen to be in the Boston area, but uh, they're they're in Connecticut, and they have, it's a client that you know, and they have a, a training site, uh, classroom, 
and uh, you're going to do an online uh, remote training for 10 of their employees. I guess the employees would go into the sort of training room and explain to me how that happens now. All right. Well, the way that it happens typically um, because of the lockdown is that most employees are actually accessing um, their virtual environments from their own personal laptops. So they might open up their laptop or their desktop, it doesn't matter, and they might Citrix into their actual desktop that's in the office. They have access to, you know, all of their files and all the applications that they use. But oftentimes, if they're invited to training, they're doing the training, okay, from home, and they're doing okay. it on something like, you know, go to training or Zoom or yeah. WebEx, and you know, there's so many different uh, uh, web conferencing tools out there today. So they might, you know, get an invite from me. Uh, to, let's say, a Zoom session, and they would click on the link, join the session, and, you know, at any point in time, I could ask them to share their screen if they were willing, so I could see if they were able to complete the exercises that I've provided for them. Sure. That's interesting. So, in this COVID world, they're probably at home, (laughs) accessing uh, through the technology uh, and... uh, I guess your skills around Zoom and other uh, conferencing tools have, have been sharpening up in the last year or so. Well, I hope so, <laughs> because at this yeah. point, it's about the only way that we can get the message across. And, you know, you do the best you can. The students um, are so wonderful. They, it, It's a tough world to stay attentive in, but they yeah. do the best that they can. Um, and, you know, they know that they're always free to contact, you know, their trainer and ask questions after the fact. Uh, we, sure. of, of course, provide time all during out the sessions uh, for them to ask questions, too. But, you know, some people are a little shy and prefer, yep. you know, to do that privately. Let's say it's a morning, a three-hour training, virtual. Would you set up, a, and you're on Zoom with 10 students, would you set up a break uh, halfway between? Well, that's interesting. Uh, what does the law require? <laughs> you know, I don't think the I don't think the law requires too much in terms of that. But I was just interested because if if you were training face to face, you know, you would break and people could walk around and go have a that's snack or whatever. How are you doing that online? Well, we certainly do that, and. Um, and it's funny because I'm doing a session right now where the classes are only two and a half hours. And we talked about, well, do we do a break? Is it necessary to do right, a break right. two and a half hours? And the rule of thumb is that no one should go more than three hours without a break. So if it is a three-hour training, then we do allow them like a 10 to 15-minute break. We ask them to please get up and move away from their screens and you know, jump up and down a little bit to get the blood sure. again. Sure. Uh, because you're right, it is important that they do have a moment away, not only from the screen, but, you know, uh, for personal reasons as well. Sure. Kay, someone listening to this uh, podcast may be considering getting into this field. Maybe they, they're good with technology and a uh, good communicator. And uh, can you just give us a range of, what the salary 
you know, whether it be an hourly or a daily fees? How does that work? That's a great question. It can get a little intense because oftentimes it depends on where the client is located because okay. you push yourself out of the business um, because what you might be able to get for a full day of training, let's say some place down in the southwest, might be different than what you can get in the northeast. Keeping that in mind and, and knowing your market, you have two ways of presenting a cost for the training. The okay. first and my preferred method, okay, is to have a set daily rate. So let's say as an example, uh, with 10 students allowed in the class, I might yeah. set a daily rate of $1,200. All right. If I am working um, as a contractor, which is a big part of our business as well, we kind of use that to fill in the gaps, uh, that contractor is setting the price for the training and is telling you how much you can make from them. And so right. they, they might, in fact, let's say pay you, you know, $400 a day for training. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that's a good reason to try to have your own client base because it's definitely more lucrative uh, when, you know, that is the case. But sure. another thing that you might consider, and some of my, you know, associates will uh, price out their classes based on the number of students. So they have base rate first, which would be much lower than, say, you know, the $1,200 rate. Right. And then they charge per student. And that pricing is usually based on the complexity of the software. So you might find as an example that training for Microsoft Word might be, and I'm just throwing this out there because I do. Sure, as an example. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, charge like this, but let's say it's $175 for a first level training in Microsoft Word. All right. And right. that's per student plus, you know, that ad additional uh, base rate. But then if you get into something like Microsoft Project, you're looking at more like, you know, $375 or $425 per student. Right. So yeah. you have two, two ways of really pricing if you choose to. But as I mentioned, what I find is that you're going to get more bites, okay, if you price fairly. And you're also going to be fair to yourself. Because if you accept a per student rate and you don't, as an example, insist that it has to be at least 10 students, right. you're we'll put a minimum. Yeah. Exactly. You're probably not going to make out yeah. as well. Kay, earlier you had said that being in, the, in this business, there's a lot of administrative uh, tasks and uh, you're in your own business. You're, you're independent. You're responsible for your own marketing, for your own billing. I guess uh, your own taxes may be. A great percentage of time is, is involved with, uh, with that aspect, uh, you know, in running the business and you're doing work and you're also marketing for work in the future. So it's not sort of a relaxing business. This is a go-go a type of thing. It is, but the pride that you feel when you're successful in your own business Okay, yeah. it really makes it all worth what you just mentioned. I will tell you that I would recommend highly that if you're going to get into this business, that you also uh, take courses in business administration. I've had some business ad, uh, admin courses. I've had accounting courses. 
you want to consider, as you said, your legal responsibilities and what legal entity that you want to set your business up with. And you know, something that we don't always talk about, but is so important when um, you have a small business and or you are a sole proprietor is benefits. You want to make sure, sure. absolutely, that you understand that there's going to be no retirement fund unless you set that up. Right. There's no medical unless you purchase it or let's say your your partner or your spouse is under a plan and you could then fit under their plan. So I guess it works a number of ways. Well, that is true. Um, You will also find that um, the benefit of of having someone who's not self-employed and whose insurance you can become a part of is also advantageous to your business because there is a small amount of that that uh, ends up being deductible. So, in other words, it's a tax write-off. Could you reflect on on what's most satisfying in doing, you you know, your business and and maybe some things that are frustrating to you? But in terms of satisfaction, uh, what is the uh, great satisfaction? Well, it's probably going to sound a little corny, (laughs) but (laughs) I would say that as far as satisfaction is concerned, it is being told that what you have just taught someone has made their day, their week, their month. When you hear from a student, if only I had known that last month, okay. my life would have been so much easier. And, and you know, occasionally you will have a student who has gone through a college course, and while I think that contributes to their success or their feeling of success after perhaps repeating some of those th- same concepts in my class, when they say to you, you know what, I got more out of this six-hour class than I got out of, you know, a whole semester of this in college, then you feel like you've accomplished something important. Sure. Uh, in terms of uh, feedback or uh, evaluation of the training, do you typically get feedback from, from your students? And do you have a technique where you where you do that? Always, always. And that's a hot topic in the training industry yeah. because we really want to be able to measure our success. But in a right. training event, the only way you have of measuring that is by presenting your students with an evaluation, which will ask questions like, you know, um, was the pace of, of the course acceptable? Were right. the instructor's explanations clear and understandable? And what are the things that you learned today that you feel will most help you um, in your current tasks and roles in your company? But it's much more difficult for us to measure your success down the road. Are you able to take the information that you were given in the classroom and apply that okay, to the work that you're currently doing? That is something that the company itself has to follow up on. Right. And it's a tough thing to be able to assess. Sure. So the, the company, uh, the student may give a feedback sheet for, for, their, for the class, and the employer may look at that or be part of the interaction on that. That's a good way to judge, you know, your success. And I'm, I'm sure you had some 
some great relationships and, and additional work when that happens. Well, I think that when we talked a little earlier about setting your relationship with your clients, you're not going to get a call back if your evaluations are not acceptable. Right. They're not always great because it very much depends on the audience on the things that we often laugh about as instructors, especially you know when we're on site. They didn't like the color of my blouse, so you know sure. the evaluations yeah. were very good. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, and and in terms of frustration, uh, let me envision this with me. You're doing a class. It's it's before COVID-19 came in. It's a stand-up, face-to-face class, and you're in the middle of the class, and all of a sudden, you know, your machine, delivery machine breaks down. You know, however, it it could be a projector or whatever you're using. that could be difficult at times. Yes. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because that <laughs> is not an uncommon occurrence. Okay. So I was just speaking with an associate uh, earlier today whose fear was that if he waited too long to sign in before the class starts, that he would get one of those wonderful Microsoft messages that says, updates can no longer be postponed. We're now updating your computer. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, that could take, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. So we always make sure that, uh, you know, we have uh, have logged on and, and checked our environment before a, a class starts. But during the class, it it has often happened that the display devices will down. So most of the time in companies now, it's the large screen TV on the wall. The okay. days of the pull-down screen and projector are pretty much gone. And unfortunately, and because there can be network issues, those devices will sometimes uh, just suddenly drop. And so what do you do while you're waiting for IT to come in and fix the problem? Well, you just carry on as if a display device is not needed. And you okay. walk around the room and you glance at your students' monitors and you're able to then kind of keep everyone on track. Essentially utilize that time efficiently and sort of build it into your, your training uh, yes. model as you go. That, that's, that's great. True. Kay, uh, what would you advise others who may be considering entering your field? Are there a few items that you think are really important that they know about? Well, study. You have to be willing to continually learn. And I think we touched on that a little bit earlier. I would also remind you that your students oftentimes are extremely knowledgeable and can teach you things. So (laughs) keep an open mind. Never say no, because as far as you know, that's not a process that we can use, but let me check into it. There is not always, um, you know, a standard answer for the questions that you get in class. And I also want to remind everyone that you're working with the public, so you kind of have to grow a thick skin. No matter yeah. how hard you try, not everyone is going to be receptive to your training methodology. Um, depending on the age groups, um, you may find resistance. Uh, okay. Also, 
and I know that this is going to sound like ageism, and I don't mean it to be, because I think we can all overcome a lot of those challenges. Right. But there, is, there can be a challenge in training people, okay, who are much younger than you. Right. And it's usually because they think that you can't possibly know as much as they do. You have to have tact. You have to you build do. good relationships. You have to deal with uh, students who may not be happy in the class or shouldn't be in the class. So uh, you really uh, can come come across a lot of different uh, issues there. In terms of emerging technology, since you've been you've been in this field for fifteen or twenty years, I would imagine. Uh, and here we are, we're into COVID, and sure enough, we're we're almost forced to use these newer technologies. So is that an adjustment for everyone? You know, I think in regards to training, it is. However, web conferencing tools have been around for a long time. In most corporations, people are very versed in using those conferencing tools, at least in regards to um, signing on to a meeting and participating in a meeting. In regards to training, depending on the type of training environment um, that you have available to you, then the challenges can be a little different. Uh, An example of that might be a company who actually has real virtual training computers. So I'm going into the company, perhaps, and I am logging on to a virtual computer. And the value of that for the instructor is that I actually can see your virtual computer all the time. So I know what you're doing as long as I'm glancing you know, at the appropriate screen. And while that's wonderful for the instructor, it can be very challenging for a user who hasn't been in that environment sure. before. In terms of uh, you know, what, what can happen day in and day out in this business, uh, uh, do you have any interesting stories or funny stories uh, you'd like to share? Well, I have a couple if you have time. <laughs> Sure. (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, let me go way back to when I started in the business. And after I had gone to school and really felt that I could perform a service for an organization that was valuable, the problem really was that because I went into the field at an older age, if you consider 40 old, I had a hard time getting people to take me seriously. Yeah, And so I literally was knocking on doors. And I remember having a conversation with a very young training manager. And I said to him, would you please just give me a chance? It's all I'm asking. Let me do uh, a teach for you. And right. you can pick the topic. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then fine. And so he made the appointment. I went in and he said, okay teach me about, uh, let's say, tables and word. I actually don't remember what the topic was. Okay, yeah. And I launched into it, and within about two minutes, he stopped, and he said, okay, you won your chance, and they hired me. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. It's like the first audition. Yeah, exactly. And that was good. And, And in the same token, always be prepared, especially if you start out in the business working for a, a broker company like I originally did. 
Yeah. Okay, um, you, <laughs> you could run into a situation. So this first company I worked for was, was very large, prestigious training company, but they had many facets to their business. And one of the facets was growing so quickly that they thought that they could no longer uh, handle the ILT business, and that's the instructor-led training business. They decided to, to spin that off. In the process of spinning that off, they had to lay off a lot of people, and they did. Right. And there was only, I think, maybe two of us left that they didn't lay off. And I kept wondering, well, why wouldn't they lay me off? And, you know, you'd like to think, oh, it's because I'm the best that there is. Right. But unfortunately, I found out a bit later after talking to many of the other instructors that they had laid off their most seasoned and well-paid instructor. Yeah. And kept those of us who were a little bit newer and not making quite as much money, okay, uh, to help them run this new business. And I'm going to tell you, Gary, that just really helped to motivate me to begin my own business. And yes, so, because it is a really a control issue. Yes. And I'm like, you know what, if that's the only reason you're keeping me, then you know what, I can do better than that. That's what I did. I worked for them as a contractor, but I opened my own business and began advertising, set up my website. And it wasn't long before um, I had as many clients as I actually wanted. Well, Kay, in, in closing here, uh, you have shared an insightful look into owning a software training and consulting company. Uh, your excellent advice is of value to anyone considering a career in this field. Once again, thank you very much for your contribution to CareerPod. Well, thank you for asking me to speak with you today. It was a pleasure, and I hope that someone uh, finds this to be a valuable use of their time. Thank you very much, Kay. Have a great day.